Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings, dear ones, and welcome to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. When we left off last week, we were talked about the distractions and the delusions. The byline of our conversation was the progressive recipe for regressive results. We spent a little time parsing the word progressive of how it stands the test of time and looks as something utopian, something that is available to all as the ugly stain of capitalism that mows down the weary worker on these highways and byways of life uh, need a second revisit or a reboot. Today we're going to talk about the concept of deviation. We've addressed distractions and delusions. But let's look at some of the deviations that uh, raise their ugly head as we look at part of the concept of how we have arrived at this unworthy narrative. Going back in time, we have articulated ad nauseum the different kinds of books that were written to create and talk about this dystopian world. One of the articles I recently addressed was something called Awareness, Attention, or Alarm. And in that, I talked about how we have created this need to constantly have attention drawn to something and awareness drawn to something, which are noble concepts when left right there. But the perpetual alarm that is sounding is what the deviation is all about. This perpetual alarm is to constantly take you down this rabbit hole to say that if there is this assault that has taken place historically or hysterically, and it took place at a certain point in time, and we need to create, and the word is used, reparations, or we need to create restitution, we need to level the playing field because from certain people such was taken to to certain people such must be given back. The boundaries of this deviation, if they are not drawn, creates this cauldron of victimhood where everybody can stand up and say something was taken from me at some point in history that makes me feel marginalized four, five, six, seven generations down the road. Now, going back to Huxley's famous words when he talked about a brave new world and he created this enlightenment, he was talking about a dystopia which would have as its benchmark community, identity, and stability. Again, these sound like lollipops on trees and unicorns dancing on streets and rainbows all around and, uh, you know, Candyland kind of concept. But that's not real because when you look at the history of the world and 8 billion people inhabiting it, we have had a lot of people go through a lot of change. So when the perpetrators of this so-called prejudice stand up and they are articulating through a sense of entitlement, Who then is the legitimate victim? This is part of the deviation. When you create an entire factory of people who are constantly commenting on the oppression that takes place, the distractions that are offered, 
the deviation actually begins in academia. Now, I'm not talking about sour grapes. I'm talking about academia from someone who's qualified to talk about it because I do have a master's degree. I come from a family that is very educated. My son is an engineer. My father is a, got his PhD at the age of 82. My mother died before, before she checked out. She got her master's. My wife has a master's. My brother is an engineer, and I can go on and on. So if anybody has the right to dog academia, I probably do because not only do I stand up as someone who is qualified having gone through the annals of academy and academia, I now find it fascinating that we're indoctrinating people at the age of three and four about this paradigm out there that is not real. We are catering them for a world that is not real. We are preparing them for a world based on equipping them to fight a past that they were not part of. Now think about the asinine or absolute stupidity of this argument that I'm presenting to you. We are telling them that there exists a certain group of people who are more privileged than other people. We are talking to them about the fact that gender is fluid, identity is fluid. You can become whatever you choose to become. You can become whatever you choose to believe. Now in yesteryear, that was given as a promise. It was given as a motivational uh, motif. Uh, if you are born uh, and you're born free, you can be president, you can be uh, vice president, you can be an astronaut, you can win a Nobel Prize. No longer do we create these heights of achievement as the possibility for thinking. We are demeaning people at their very infancy when wonder and enchantment should be installed to give them hopes and dreams and instead instill in them this absolute malice and hatred towards themselves because someone who looks like them four generations ago did something that was atrocious. Now, if you paint that picture, the University of Missouri years ago came up with a statistic that said that by the time the person is in his sixth grade, uh, a great percentage of his working vocabulary is developed. If by the time our children are in the fifth and sixth grade, they have already understood radical concepts that do not deal with normal human progression, but these are the zenith of anthropological evidence that man can be what he wants to be, his gender can be whatever he becomes, he can identify as whatever he wants. We have the cases of someone who identifies as a cat or someone who says, hey, I spent a year in Korea, so I really fell in love with the language and the cuisine, so I now want to be Korean. This is absurdity on steroids if you want to posit this as a deviation. But with a straight face, elected officials will stand up and issue edicts to the masses that have elected them. Again, that is another dialogue for a different day because we are not a democracy where mobocracy rules. We are a republic, which means it's the rights of the governed. The people we elect into power are educated enough to know that they are there for our benefit. But from the highest pulpits, they begin to bully us with these rules and regulations that come down the pike. Now, when you look at Huxley's world of identity and stability and community, oh God, what, what a utopian progressive goal that is. But who else talked about an identity and a stability and a community that ravaged the entire world and plundered it into World War II? Yes, Adolf Hitler talked about an identity that was steeped in their Aryan identity. They talked about stability that would only come from energizing and engaging with the fatherland. And they talked about a community that should be rid of its people who they considered vermin. 
and thus began the mass extermination by the Nazis under the Third Reich and evolved and revolved into what they called the Holocaust, which at its peak was eliminating roughly 11 to 12,000 people a day in their death factories. But there were noble people on both sides, they say, and if you read Viktor Frankl's book, you'll actually be more perplexed than you will be relieved when he says it did not come at the because there was one madman who had a despotic idea. These were the very intelligent people of society who by day were educating those that were uh, being misinformed by their warped ideologies in the universities and by evening were drinking champagne and listening to the music of Wagner as if they were the erudite and the sophisticated. So these words came down from on high. Most recently, we have had these kind of deviations that have resulted in mass hysteria. A young girl came up and stood in the United Nations and used the words, how dare you? Now that particular meme got, got, got caught on fire and she became the cause celeb of a group of people who said, hey, you know what? We are destroying this planet and as a result, we need to do something about it. Nobody argues the need for clean air. Nobody is arguing that we need clean water. Nobody is arguing that our food supply should not be tainted. Nobody is arguing that we should limit the amount of pesticides and insecticides that go into the consumption, which is not natural. But when you make that a deviation of such epidemic proportions like this girl getting up and saying, how dare you? What she was saying is, I am standing here as the voice of the future that you in the present have contaminated and ruined. And how dare you ruin this future that you're going to give it give to me when I expected all of this brilliance that came down to me to be completely clean. Where was she when the people were fighting in Germany? Where was she in Europe when Germany was putting its paws all over Europe trying to create a perfect race when other people had to intervene? How come nobody said, how dare you bring your tanks and cause pollution? Because it was a different thing. See, these are deviations because you have to study them in the bigger context. Yeah, it sounds good when this young girl who is really fairly now become the darling of a certain group of people wanting this climatic change to take place to say, I am not going to take a plane to go to New York to make this speech. I'm going to take a boat and thus reduce my carbon emission. I mean, it does not take a person of to have a Phi Beta Kappa from MIT to begin to look at the warp logic within that statement. And I'm not doing this to demean anybody. I'm just joke you public watching the TV saying, okay, she's going to get on a boat. And I think the boat's made of fiberglass. And if the boat has to cross the Atlantic, it has to have a little engine in it that is going to allow it to do so. If she has to get here in a certain period of time, I'm pretty sure she's not going to put up a sail of cloth that she spun in a back factory somewhere made out of coil that came from a coconut tree. She's using nylon ropes and some very advanced technological mass that are made of some kind of a Teflon that would probably withstand the elements. Now, all of these are made from fossil fuels. It's interesting that the carbon footprint is only equated to a person flying. That's a deviation. And the deviation is just that. So if you have a plane or the ability to sit on a plane, suddenly you're on the wrong side of the equation. But if you have a bicycle and you're using that bicycle to go everywhere, you're on the right side of the equation. But nobody ever talks about the fact that the bicycle is made in a factory that actually has a bunch of machines in it that probably uses some kind of a coal-fired or whatever. 
I understand the goal to get to complete solar and get to complete wind and all of that. That sounds nice, but it's not a reality at the present moment. So let's look at it as what it is. It's a deviation. So when you ask me to allocate $500 billion to a company that is totally committed to the concept of providing these radically new technologies, and that company then goes bankrupt within three years. Do you realize how long it takes to spend $500 billion? I think the entire budget of the United States military is something like $60 billion. And that's considered an anathema on society because of the fact that this is too much money being spent on the American military. But these are all deviations. And I'm getting passionate about this because I am not about to look at this and ask myself, is there common sense? Basic logic tells me that these are warped ideologies that actually result in regressive results. At face value, they are posited as very progressive. Let's take a young kid from a different part of the world, a country that actually somehow within its population created a socialist utopia in Sweden. And then we're going to try to prop her up as the poster child for the rest of the world. Well, guess what? The very companies that talk about this are actually maintaining sweatshops in other countries. The very companies that seem to be at the forefront of the so-called ecological and sociological and green revolution are paying people a pittance to do the, their bidding in sweatshops in Bangladesh and India. And I find it very fascinating, most recently at the Met Gala in New York, where I think it costs $35,000 to attend. And everybody who comes there wears suits with monikers on them talking about how we need to eliminate crime and how the rich are not worthy of anything. And the absolute stupidity of donning a dress that costs you 15000 to say that you hate the rich at a gala that costs you 30000 is, as Mr. Ziegler used to say, nobody is buying it and you should stop selling it. But why does this still work in the year 2022? It works because first they created a distraction. And the distraction was there is a deliberate class warfare. And this class warfare has erupted because of centuries of oppression by a certain group of people. They tried every angle. They called it drugs. They called it poverty. They called it a war on everything. And then they said, you know, all of those wars eventually will lose their luster. Because if you started a war on one kind of drug, another kind of drug becomes the gateway drug, another kind of drug, and now they're talking about something as powerful as fentanyl when earlier it was whether we should legalize marijuana. These were all distractions that were put along the way, not why. Eventually, where did they come? They said, let's settle on one issue that no human being can control, the color of their skin. And if we assault them at that very level, the color of the skin, this is not something they can wake up any given morning, look in the mirror and say, I choose to do that or I choose not to, or I want to do that or I want not to, or I have a choice here or I have not to. When I look in the mirror, I can either love myself for who I am as a creator of God or created by God, or I can look in the mirror and hate myself because someone says, hey, the very color of your skin is a stain on your existence. So we have people dodging the reality of it. People are camouflaging what their race is on applications because they don't want to be maligned or marginalized. They just want fairness. Equality is a myth. I've said it over and over again. You can pass all the laws you want in the world to make people equal, but that's not going to make the world equal. The world is not equal because the world was never designed to be equal. The world was the best chance we have is a chance at being fair. 
Now I went off on a rant, but I want to let you know these are all deviations and sooner or later they're going to catch up because we can advocate for that community, for that identity, for that stability. We can call ourselves the people who say, oh, I don't believe in Huxley. I believe in an Orwellian way and maybe, you know, war will be peace and freedom will be slavery and uh, ignorance will be strength. Whichever motif you land on, at the end of the day, you're going to ask yourself a very simple question. How am I going to get through this? Am I going to have the guts to challenge the distractions? Am I going to have the guts to actually look at the logic behind the delusion? And then, am I, have I, am I going to have the intellectual veracity to parse these deviations for what they are and tell them, hey, you know what? I agreed or I stood by the by side when you started these distractions. I even took a back seat when you started parading these delusions but I'm going to draw a line at these deviations because the path that takes us down is what Yogi Berra said, that great bard, when he said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Yeah, that makes about as much sense as anything else. When you come to a fork in the road, you have to choose whether you want to go left or right. But he says, you come to a fork in the road, take it. Because what they are saying is the deviation doesn't matter which path you go down to. You already agree to the distraction. You already subscribe to the delusion. You're not going to be able to challenge the deviation. You might as well suck it up and live with it. Until next time, this is your humble host, Krish Dunham. Good luck. God bless. And that concludes another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose with Krish Dunham brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at krishdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.